The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your hosts are Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends and family with the resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here are your hosts, Sharon and Becky. Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. I'm Sharon Hennepin. I'm a 22-year breast cancer survivor. I'm a certified life coach and the author of my upcoming book, Thriving Beyond Cancer. Woohoo! I can't wait for that. <laughs> and my name is Becky Olson. I'm a three-time, 20-year breast cancer survivor, professional speaker, and author of The Hat That Saved My Life. We're also both the co-founders of Breast Friends, and we have a super important topic today. When both Sharon and I were first diagnosed, we had really young kids at home. And, you know, honestly, it's so hard to know how much to tell your children or when to tell them. It's tricky. It is very tricky. And our guest today is Krista Nelson. Uh, Krista is an oncology social worker and has been part of the Providence Health and Services Oncology Department since 1997, providing psychosocial care to those with cancer and their families. Um, she has a special, she has specialized in many cancers over the year, but is m- interested in the effects of the family, how cancer really affects the family. So welcome, Krista. Thank you so much, and thank you for letting me be here today to talk about this important topic. Oh, well, we can't think of anyone better, so yeah, thanks absolutely. for joining us. So why don't you introduce yourself to the audience and kind of tell us a little bit about the role you play in providing that care to cancer patients and their families. Absolutely. Well, as an oncology social worker, a lot of times when we are meeting with patients when they're initially diagnosed and you know what I've learned is that when the doctor is saying to them, you have cancer and sort of outlying a, a treatment plan, women, parents, all they are concerned about, their thinking in their head is, oh my goodness, what about my, ch- my kids? How yeah, am I going to exactly. tell my kids? Right. Um, you know, I think when you think about cancer, and I think the unfortunate part is that children and families of those going through the treatment are sort of hidden from the healthcare provider system. You know, mm. we, we often as providers see the patient in our office or the person going through cancer and often don't think about the children and the families that they're supporting. I and mean, we do, but in the limited time. You know, I was fascinated when I first started researching this that 24% of people going through cancer treatment have kids 18 or younger in the home. That's a quarter oh of people getting 24%. treatment. 24%. Wow. Wow. I hadn't heard that statistic. Yeah, an even bigger bigger number to consider is when you think about people who, you know, now with the way families are and grandparents and 
aunts and uncles helping provide support. There's some data. It's pretty old now. It's from 2010, but it says that 1.58 million cancer survivors are living with 2.85 million children under 18. So you think about the breadth of who this affects. It's a, a really, really big big group that we're talking about. Yeah, so, well, we knew this was important. I guess I just didn't realize it was that important. <laughs> this is, yeah, when you're going through it and you, you feel it yourself, that's yeah. one thing. And, and of course, we talked to lots and lots of women who, who definitely are concerned about this topic and are raising kids. But, you know, it's it's kids under 18 is certainly, you know, one piece of it. But then it's older kids, too, and how that affects um, uh, is on them because I don't think we're ever ready to consider losing our parents. Absolutely. No, not for a long time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, it impacts, you know, there's a lot of role reversal. Suddenly, you know, adult children are taking care of their parents when, you know, their parents have taken them care of them their entire lives. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I think, you know, what I've learned is, you know, even looking in the literature and in our practice, we find that parents want practical and emotional support around how to talk to their kids. And many times, um, moms specifically, especially moms with breast cancer, express their need to really want professional support because they feel this strong moral responsibility to be a good mother. Oh, absolutely. And that they're saying, you know, I, I didn't get what I needed from my healthcare providers. And so what we've really learned from this and how we've changed our, our care here at Providence is that we really started a program and are trying to encourage everyone to talk early and often to parents about how to, how to support their children and how to support them as parents through their cancer diagnosis. Absolutely. Christy, can you explain the word psychosocial? Just tell tell our audience what that term means, because you know we Absolutely. hear it a lot. But Absolutely. So, so really, it's just looking at treating um, the emotional and spiritual and um, behavior, like how we can support a family, looking at them from a whole person. You know, it's it's sort of like healthcare is changing, where we don't just look at the illness, but we're looking at the person. And psychosocial is really taking into account the emotional impact and the behavioral health needs of our patients as we provide these really hard treatments to them and their family. You know, how can we support them? It can also be just the resources. You know, like I said, Mm -hmm. a lot of people are worrying about their kids when they're diagnosed. They're also worrying, how how am I going to pay my rent or my mortgage? Right. Very true, very true. You know, so it's all nice those to make hear. a difference. Yeah. And it's nice to hear that, that the medical community is really coming on board with that. You know, when we first started Breast Friends 16 years ago, there really wasn't a lot of conversation in that arena. And that was one of the reasons we started, because we knew that there was that emotional piece that was missing. And I think, you know, some intuitively, some people have been doing it for a long time, but as a collective, you know, that... I think that piece, like you said, the the doctors weren't describing it or discussing it, and and I think it's finally come into its own, and and that's really great to see because it's so so necessary. Absolutely, Absolutely. I remember when I was when I was diagnosed back in um, 1993. God, this sounds like a, a million years ago. <laughs> kind um, of was, I guess, Sharon. <laughs> I guess it was. You know, twenty. It was almost 23 years ago that I was diagnosed, and um, the the kind of frightening part for me 
was my youngest was nine years old. And um, I also had two stepkids I was raising at the time, and um, they were all affected greatly by my diagnosis. But partly because of other circumstances, they had lost their great-grandmother to breast cancer a few years before this. They had, um, they were watching their grandma die from this disease. She was actually metastatic when I was diagnosed. And my youngest had a classmate, in, you're talking fourth grade here, who had lost her mom. So, so my, you know, uh, youngest, her particular experience was death around, and so was mine, being perfectly honest. <laughs> um, because, and you don't know if you're going to live or die or how much you tell your kids or, you know, you want to say, I'm going to be fine, I'm going to be fine. But inside, you don't know if you're going to be fine or not. Absolutely. What do you do with, what do you do with that, Krista? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I think absolutely you're, you're talking about and, you know, I am so glad you are here today to be talking talking with us about this. I think in general, moms, absolutely. I mean, when I meet with them, their number one concern is their children. And mm-hmm. you know what? The, the absolute sort of gut reaction is to protect their, their children and to yeah. protect them from what's going on. And mm-hmm. that's actually sort of counterintuitive of what we recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we we know what, how kids do well is when they maintain a routine at home, when they get real information, those sort of things. But when I talk with parents, I tell you right away, I just say, you know what? All you can tell your children is is what you know to be true. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we never want to get into that place where we're promising our children we're not going to die because the reality is we don't know. But mm-hmm. I think when I meet with moms specifically, I'll, I'll say often, you know what, a lot of moms tell me they're afraid that their kids are going to say, are you going to die? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and that's really where the big emotion is. That is yeah. absolutely, how can I not be here for my child? How can I protect them? And I say, you know what, I have some words for you. You can take them or leave them because, you know, at the end of the day, um, Becky and Sharon, you guys know this, you know, you, you know your children better than any social worker. Absolutely. Or doctor, sure, doctor sure. Know. But my recommendation is really to say, you know, I want you to hear um, that what I know today is that I have this diagnosis of cancer, but the doctors don't think that I'm going to die from this cancer. You know, mm-hmm. that, that's what you know in that time. I, right. What mm-hmm. I want you to know is if something changed, I would tell you. Because okay. what we really mm, want to leave good. our kids with is a legacy of truth, a legacy of honesty. We, we never want to, you know, so many times I hear kids tell me about how they heard, you know, a parent tell, you know, that their parent had cancer. And, I mean, I've heard some funny stories. I mean, not funny, of course, um, to the family at the time, but just fascinating how kids are so resourceful in getting information. You know, mm-hmm. one, will say, one will say, oh, my best friend was hiding on the stairs when my mom called him and he told me, you know, because he heard mm-hmm. the other side of the conversation. Oh, yeah. Or, yeah. you know, um, it was really weird. People started bringing food to our house and everyone was <laughs> crying. And so I knew something really bad. And, and I mean, that's what it gets to. You know, we need yeah. to really sit and talk with kids right away. You know, get, let them know that they're an important part of the family, 
that they absolutely deserve to know up front, you know, my recommendation is that you tell your kids and you use the real words, use cancer, use chemotherapy. Because, you know, those words are loaded for us as adults and can be hard for us to say. But to a child, cancer is cancer. It's something that means my mom was more tired and didn't want to really play with me for six months Mm -hmm. of, you know, whatever time frame. Um, So I think really addressing the death question right away with kids and with moms and dads really helps people feel better. I tell parents, you know, your dread of this discussion is way worse than the actual discussion will be. And they've all called me back mm-hmm. and said, you were right. Um, yeah, you know, there's, just, <laughs> I bet. there's just a few rules. You know, you don't want to tell people kids right before bed. You know, you want to give them an opportunity to be able to play out any emotions or ask questions. My other huge piece of advice to parents is, you know, you want to encourage discussion and encourage um, conversations. But if your child asks you a question that is just too big in that moment or you don't quite know how to answer, it is absolutely okay to say, you know what, that is a good question. Let me think about that. Let me get back to you on that. Because, you know, we're in a, a state of always sort of answering right away when a kid asks you a question. You know, can I do this? Right, no. Right, can right. I do this? Yes. So, you know, really <laughs> just taking pause and being mindful in those moments about, mm-hmm. you know, what they need. I think, you know, when I talk to parents, they tell me they're in a state of emergency when they're diagnosed. Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. guys know, you know, they're trying to maintain your normal life. You don't want to be a burden to your family, you know, all these priorities, and you don't feel well, you know. Mm-hmm. And so what, what we really want to do is be able to offer emotional support to the parents and also sort of provide some education around developmentally what their kids going to grasp at that time, what will be helpful. You know, we know kids, gosh, you know, 6 to 11, they really like, you know, information, really fascinated with the body. They may ask more questions, you know, earlier in that, more magical thinking. So, you know, that goes down to our, our big things of the things that we do say to kids about cancer. It's really important to tell them the words, but also to tell them that they can't catch cancer. Right, and then right. Cause mm-hmm. cancer. You know, mm-hmm. I met with a little girl individually. She was five, and she said, "I just, I have to tell you a secret." And she said, "I want you to know that my mom got cancer because of me." <gasps> and I, oh boy! I said, "Oh, you yeah, know." Yeah, we, we hear that. We hear that, that pretty often. That the, somehow the kids think it's was, them. Absolutely, and she had gotten really angry at her mom the night before because her mom was yelling at her for cleaning up her room or Mm. something, and she went in her room and slammed her door, and she said, and I said, I wish you would die, Um, and then she said, and then she got cancer, and so it's just sort Uh of providing emotional support for the kids to make Mm -hmm. sure, you know, as a parent, you may not know that your child is holding this, this energy that they feel like they somehow you know, created this. So, again, the education around just telling them, you know, yes, I have cancer. Um, the doctors, you know, the doctors don't think I'm going to need um, that I'm going to die. I'm getting treatment, um, and that's chemotherapy. You know, I always tell parents, don't say medicine 
because Lord help you when you try to give your child medicine and they're like, I don't want my hair to fall out. Oh, very good point. And I think a lot of us use the term medicine, you know, just especially with young kids. But you're right. That's a really valid point. You know, Krista, when I was when my kids were um, young and I hadn't told them yet, we were we were holding out for the the prognosis, you know, what, what's the, what's next, what's going to happen. So I just had the diagnosis. We moved through it all pretty quickly. So I knew we didn't have to wait long, but one day we're sitting in the living room watching a movie as a family, kids were on the floor and I couldn't focus on the movie. I just kept thinking about how am I going to tell my kids? And I started crying. I had tears in my eyes and my son looked back at me. He was nine or excuse me, 11. Mm -hmm. And he said, Mommy, why are you crying? And I said, um, the sun's in my eyes. I couldn't even bring myself to say it right then. And right. then I thought for a couple more minutes, and I said, you know what? That's not the truth. Mommy just told you a fib. And I asked them to turn off the TV, and we closed the blinds so the sun wasn't in my eyes. And then we told them. And, you know, it was probably one of the hardest things I've ever had to do, it, you know, because you don't know how they're going to respond to it. And, you know, at that point in time, all we could assure them, because we didn't know anything, all we could assure them was that mommy was in really good hands. She had a really good doctor, and they're doing everything they can to make mommy well. And, that you know, for the younger the younger ones, that seemed to appease them, you know, in the, in, at that point. And, and then we told them more as we had more. But, you know, it, it was so hard. And, and you know, you'd, you wouldn't think just, oh, it's it can't be that hard. Yeah, it really is. Because like you said, we just want to protect our children with everything we've got. And so it, it was really hard. Um, we're going to be going to a break here in just a couple more minutes. So um, can you Well, you know, define- I just wanted to oh. jump on real quick to say, you know, uh-huh. you made a really good point that I don't know that we've covered is that it's really important to tell all your kids together at the same time even if they're different ages. Of course, you can follow up, but, you know, again, you want to really be transparent with the information, Mm -hmm. and I just thought that was really great that you told your kids together and also that you weren't afraid to show emotion. I think that's a big thing I tell parents a lot of times. You know, it is okay if you feel tearful when you're... But tell your children what those tears are about, and you just modeled that perfectly. Oh, thanks. I feel scared. (laughs) I feel scared. You know, it's, it's okay. It's okay. Hey, kids, if you're listening, emotions, yeah. <laughs> if my kids are listening to this broadcast right now, just know, kids, I got it right, okay? <laughs> Thank you, Absolutely. Krista. Um, it, you know, it always we, makes me worry, though, for that kid who doesn't really ask the questions, you know, yeah. what's going on in their little brains and, you know, how much are they internalizing and, you know, that kind of stuff. Absolutely. And, you know, that's why it's important to give kids um information just sort of periodically. Some families have created kind of models of having a family meeting. Maybe it's a pizza night on Friday where they say, hey, this is what's going on. You know, we just want to share some information with you. You know, you can ask me questions now or you can ask me questions later. There are also kids who, parents who've put a a jar in the middle of the room and said, hey, if you have questions, throw them in there and we'll read them Mm -hmm. and get back to you. Oh, that's okay. a good idea. Then no, it gives you time to think about it without getting caught off guard. You know, one of the things that I know from being a kid at one point, if there is something going on that seems to be a little secretive going on in the family, kids can imagine really terrible things. Like, you know, if parents aren't talking to them or they quit talking when they walk in the room, they know. They're they're smart well, enough they, to know something's up. And, and, and they they'll say, it. 
Yeah. Yeah. Are you guys getting a divorce? What's going on? You know, are yeah. you mad at me? There, there's all kinds of little thoughts that can go through their head. And when we come back, we're actually going to take a short break. When we come back, let's maybe talk about that for a minute, and then we'll have some lot more questions. So this is a good time for you to be thinking about your questions. If you're listening to our broadcast, you've got kids. Maybe you're going through this right now, and you need some help. Um, Please give us a call. Talk with Krista. She's got great information. It's your chance to talk to a social worker free of charge. Um, Our number to call in is 866-472-5792. And we'll be back in just a couple minutes. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. Every day, you hear so much about different aspects of the health and wellness field. One day, you hear one thing, and the next day, you hear something that contradicts what you heard the day before. How do you know what's right? Try tuning in to The Cutting Edge of Health & Wellness today with Dr. Neil Nathan. Our goal is to educate and explore this field with guest experts in order to help you take control of your health and well-being. Listen Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. We've been talking to um, uh, social worker Krista Nelson about how to talk to our kids about cancer. And so let's kind of just start where we left off there. Becky, you were talking about um, Oh, what were you talking about? <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> oh, don't you love chemo brain? Oh, well. I know, I really do. But, you know, we do have a caller on the line with us, and this actually happens to be my daughter. Um, my daughter Elizabeth was my oldest. Uh, I have five kids, and two of them had grown. One was grown and living in Seattle. The other one was away at college. And Beth was my oldest who was still at home. She was 15 and she had a 12-year-old brother and an 11-year-old brother. And so Beth, welcome to our show. Thank you, honey, so much for calling in. So welcome. (laughs) So Beth, you know, you were the oldest one at home and I know you really really experienced this in a Uh very deep way. And um, why don't you share a little bit of your experience with us? Yeah, well, um, like you said, I was 15. I think it was um, towards the end of my freshman year of high school, as if that's not, you know, 
a dramatic enough time in a female girl's life. Um, I remember you telling, I knew something was wrong. I remember I knew something was wrong when I got home from school one day and you were home. You were home in like a sweatshirt. <laughs> you know, you, you were a career woman and you got home, you know, rushing in the door around dinner time every night and not um, at home at 2.30 in the afternoon. And Please I knew tell me you didn't see up. the bottle of wine. You didn't see the <laughs> bottle of wine on the counter, did you? <laughs> um, no, I remember I, I just knew something was up. I think that um, we didn't talk about it right away, but when you did tell me, you know, the, I was really scared. The first thing that went through my mind um, was one of my closest friends from the last few years before that and her mother had passed away when we were in um, eighth grade from a long battle with breast cancer that ended up you know spreading and um, that was my only experience with breast cancer you get breast cancer Mm -hmm. you die and so it was really scary and I think regardless being being old enough to know that you're going to tell me all the things you're supposed to tell me which is um, the medicines for this are very good and, um, the doctors feel very confident that I'm going to, you know, pull through this and here's all, what we're doing with the treatment and everything. It sort of didn't matter. It was like, well, yeah, of course you're going to yeah. tell me that you're going to be fine. But, um, I was very scared about that. That was my, yeah. <laughs> that was my experience with that um and that makes sense that makes sense Chelsea mm -hmm. had that same kind of you know um feeling I'm sure so so Krista when that sort of thing happens and I know I probably didn't handle my situation as well as I could have but um knowing that they that is their experience with cancer how do you get beyond some of those fears well I think absolutely just to acknowledge Beth i I bet that was very scary, especially with that experience. But I think what what can happen, how a parent can help help a child who's had an experience, a lot of times there's a grandparent who's died of, of cancer, is right. to specifically talk to the child about or the teen to say, you know, I know that someone just to talk about it, to say I know that yeah. you've experienced the death of this person, but what I want you to hear is that my cancer is different than that and to say I am going to be going through similar type treatments but right now you know my prognosis is good they hope they are treating me to cure my cancer now if something changes I'll tell you and with that you know just blatantly kind of calling it out often people do kids do a little bit better Um, you know I think that the hardest part as a parent I think is that you want to protect your children from the ills of the world but the reality is you can't. All you can yeah. do is sort of help support them and help them cope. I think another thing that we do now that wasn't available when um, Beth was um, going through this is to provide peer support for the kids. So, you know, we currently here at Providence have a family support group where we bring all these kids together, you know, in a group setting. We have a teen group and a, and a child group where Kids know they're not the only one. It may be the experience in their high school or their elementary school or if they're homeschooled even, that they don't know anyone else who has cancer, but to come together or has a parent with cancer. You know, and the teen group talks about, you know, it's, it's hard for them and their developmental 
you know, because it's typically developmentally a lot for teenagers on sort of how the cancer is affecting their lives, you know, how they're Mm -hmm. not able to do Mm -hmm. some of the things. Developmentally, that's right where they are. You know, as parents, you cannot expect to get your emotional support from your kids as much as sometimes they're your closest, you're with them all the time. I try to remind parents sometimes that, you know, they are not equipped to provide you emotional support. You know, really, it needs to go the other way around. And if you feel bad... Get reach outside of your your internal you know family circle to support your kids. Whether that's yeah. you know right away, I tell parents you know tell the school counselor right away. You know mm-hmm. make sure that the people who spend the bulk of time with your kids know what's going on because then they'll see. Gosh, is my child having some different behaviors than usual? Mm-hmm. You may not see it as much you know in between treatment and meal time, but but their teachers may. Yeah, that's, that's a good makes- point. That's yeah, a good that's, point. And, Beth, I, I think, think your teachers all fear, knew. The other fear, oh, I don't, I mean, in high school, it's funny because it's not like you have one teacher who you spend all day with and you're close to that one and your parents tend to have a relationship with your one teacher, but I think that changes a lot when you're in middle school and high school and you bounce around. I think it's really hard for parents to establish any kind of rapport with your teachers, especially that's back true. then. It wasn't like... <laughs> People weren't in email mode and in constant communication. So, um, so no, I think it was something I held kind of privately for a while. And, um, you know, I think if uh, I was also, you know, going back to my one experience with it with my friend's mom who passed away, I, I remember that her parents became very near divorce in, um, in her battle with with cancer and I was also very fearful of that and um, I have to say Mm -hmm. that probably one of the closest times in my life that I've been with my dad was during that time because he really rose to the occasion and um, ran block and tackle (laughs) on all problems. (laughs) Yes, he did. And, you know, I mean, toilets and everything. (laughs) it, It was hard because I was 15 and used to talking to my mom about boyfriend troubles and friend troubles and all the dramas of being a high school girl. But, um, my dad was, you know, very, um, deliberate in saying, you know, don't, I mean, I remember getting in actually some trouble one weekend and my dad, um, he, he kind of covered for me actually. He said, we're not going to tell your mom about this. What? I'm not sure I know about this trouble now. now. Yeah, no, I don't know if I should talk about it on the radio or not. um, We'll have a conversation (laughs) after the fact. (laughs) No, but you know, he—it really was about your 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 mom can't shouldn't have um, be faced with extra stress right now. So we're going to sort this out together, and um, that you know, looking back on it. Now, now that I'm a parent, I, you know, obviously think about how would I deal with this kind of situation if it were to come up in my um, own little family. But um, to his credit, you know, I think he he really worked to keep the peace at home and keep my brothers and I um, sort of even keeled and 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 going to him with our problems as opposed to mom. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, I do. Re- I do remember that. That I thought that mm-hmm. was really helpful. Krista, what do you think about that? If a 
one parent kind of steps into that role and I mean part of part of me um probably I can't really even remember because of all the chemo and stuff but the way it kind of my personality I'm kind of a busybody <laughs> you know and to be left out of some of these things I apparently didn't even know happened <laughs> you know I I'm not I'm not sure if, if that's something that was helpful to me to not be aware. I mean, the fighting and, you know, the little bickering that little kids do, that was really nice not to have to listen to that. And I know that your dad stepped into that role trying to keep the peace in the house, and that was really helpful. But, Krista, what do you think about that, kind of changing the whole family dynamic to keep mom at a str- lower stress level? Is that is that helpful, or is it? I mean, I think it depends on the 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 person, right? As as I'll just the caveat for all of this is that every family, every child, every person with cancer is different, and mm-hmm. people some some might really want to stay connected to their family. A lot of women already feel like they don't have a lot of control, and so if they get wind of the fact that they don't. They're not getting all the information exactly. that can cause actually extra stress, you know, <laughs> to be yeah. like, What are you but keeping think, from me? Yeah. But I think <laughs> overall, it's really important that you extend your child support system or it's, it's that balance. You want to keep a routine, but especially for teens, you know, it, it sounds like dad became you know, more of a confidant. And I think it's important to remind your children not to worry alone. You know, don't share that worry. Do not worry alone. Let's talk about it. You know, the research shows that just talking about stress and um, diagnosis and that will reduce kids' anxiety. And often it, you know, of course, it improves communication with um, within the family. Mm-hmm, I mean, sure. kids who, even parents who die of cancer, the children um, often, if there's good communication, they do much better um, than children who have a parent from a sudden loss, you know, because they've had time to process and, yep, and discuss that's true. that. Um, that's true. So, Yeah. I think kids, especially teenagers, often um, friendships be- can become really important. It's hard. It depends on, um, you know, they're really at a place where they're trying to get independent, so they may keep quiet, like you said, Beth, you know, around what's going on. Um, and you, you sort of may have needed direction around, and maybe your dad helped you with that, around balancing sort of your responsibility to your mom versus being a kid. Yeah, exactly. So how do you know if your child is struggling? How how would you, what are the signs that, that a parent should be looking for? Well, gosh, those are, I mean, as parents, I'm sure you have a sense of that all the time. I think the question is, you know, when do you think you should reach out for help? Yeah, yeah. Good, good point. I, mm-hmm. I think a lot of times, um, you know, your kids are going to struggle. When there's a diagnosis or stress in the family, a lot of times people will say, gosh, I'm sensing that there is, um, you know, a lot of stress. They, they like, even like Beth said, she knew something was wrong the second she walked in the house. So, you know, a lot of times you may see regression of behavior. So sometimes kids, younger kids will go back to bedwetting, they'll have trouble sleeping or sleeping more if they're teenagers. Um, I think if you see big changes such as social withdrawal, um, really big periods of sadness beyond sort of normal grieving of what's going on. Um, And I think if you're asking yourself the question, kind of the good word of, you know, of your gut is 
seek support. You know, your right. child is never going to be harmed by going to meet to get an assessment from a professional. Um, yeah, because the other sense. thing is, is what people don't realize always or what we don't talk about is that cancer happens not in isolation. Kids mm-hmm. are still dealing with the stresses of bullies or, you know, I mean, there's so many different things. You know, some kids have difficulty with change and changing classrooms. or And so if they suddenly have different people taking care of them, you know, which isn't recommended, but it, sometimes it has to happen, you know, that that can cause kind of a sense of loss for kids. And a lot of times um, the kids that I work with have done really well, the younger kids in art therapy. Um, and, you know, it's I always say it's never a bad idea to have an extra safe person for your child to talk to and process and, and learn That's coping skills and to mm-hmm. learn coping skills. So, um, and often, you know, there are counselors now in the schools, even in high school, they have sometimes groups for kids whose parents are having um, medical issues. It may not be specifically cancer, but they kind of try to pull people together. Um, so things have changed a lot in the last few years. Yeah. Um, you know, before, now, we let, before we let Beth go, Beth, are you still with us? Yeah, I am. Okay, good. Um, Krista, one of the things I wanted to have Beth share before she has to hang up, um, you know, she was the oldest of three, and I know that she really internalized this, but I have to tell you, and I'm going to brag on her for a minute, she really Uh-oh. stepped up to the plate in some very unique and wonderful ways. And I remember um, I, wanted, I wanted her to share a story. And it was uh, right about the time I was, I just started chemo. I was about two weeks in, and I knew my hair was going to start falling out pretty soon. And I was really sad and very depressed and sitting on my couch, and she asked me what was wrong. And I tried to tell her nothing. She goes, no, Mom, I don't believe you. (laughs) And so then I finally confessed that my hair was going to start falling out, and I was worried about it because it was going to look really bad. And then, Beth, tell tell our audience what you did because I thought that was the sweetest thing. And, you know, as a speaker, I tell the story a lot. I'm sure I tell it differently than what actually happened, but whatever. (laughs) So why don't you tell my brain's just as foggy as yours, but um, I... Yeah, I remember you being upset because you had woken up with some, you know, your hair was falling out in the shower and you were finding long strands on your pillow and um, it was taking an emotional toll. And um, I'm trying to remember if you had already cut it short once. No, nope, not think yet. you may have already not cut yet. it short. Mm-mm. Not short, short, but like, no, because when we cut it really short, we saw there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I saw the result. Yes, I remember. <laughs> no, um, I either had some girlfriends over, or I called called up my I had one friend who had a car at the time. Um, she was sixteen, and the rest of us were fifteen, so she was the designated driver at all at all times. And um, she, you know, we ran out to the store and picked up um, the blondest blonde color color in a box you know that we could find and um we had a hair dyeing party and I think we were all you know coloring our hair different colors but my mom's like me blonde and I said look you got one shot and it's gonna kind of fall out anyway so don't worry about it and um we yeah we we put that dye in and we followed all the directions but despite that it came out um what do you describe it as? Cream of tomato cream of, soup? Cream of tomato soup orange. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, you, you yeah. got to remember, everybody, Becky is Italian and Greek. 
you know, kind of a dark complexion, very dark hair. In fact, I get mad at her because she still doesn't have any gray hair. And uh, so her Well, her we all have something, you're tall. Well, yeah, true. But, but you know, it, it's one of those things that's like her hair does not want to be blonde for sure because it won't even turn gray. But, you know, the only, thing that, only the thing Kelsey that, could get my mom looking like a beautiful blonde. Exactly. Exactly true. You know, the thing that's funny about this story and the reason I love to share this story is because, you know, sometimes we all think that in order to help somebody through a journey like this, they have to do something big and grandiose. No, you don't. It's the little things. It's finding a way to bring humor into your life. And my daughter has this kind of natural ability to see what needs to happen. And she made me laugh. And even though my hair turned orange, and before she did it, she said to me, well, you're only going to have your hair for a week. And then after it turned orange, she said it again, but with a slightly different tone. She goes, well, you're only going to have it for a week, right? So, you know, (laughs) but I've told that story so many times and I've laughed and I remember it like it was yesterday. It was a beautiful thing that you did, Beth. And you took me out of a very, very low and dark place with something that you knew about, you know, hair coloring. She was like the fashion goddess, you know, my little Miss Fashionista, and actually still is, has her own shoe company now. Um, But she's really got an awful lot um, going for her, but that was such a natural and easy thing for her to do. And I I just want to share that, that it's okay to laugh in the family, you know, with this family dynamic. It doesn't have to be all gloom and doom, and it's not all about, oh, Let's not say anything funny because mom will think we're making fun of her. If mom has a sense of humor before cancer, she probably can have one during it too. So, you know, and Krista, I don't know how you feel about that if I'm barking up a tree here, but I know it worked for me. And Beth, I want to thank you so much for doing that for me because first off, it gave me great speech fodder and it's in my book. (laughs) Exactly. Well, I hate to break this up, but we need to go out on a break. So let's do that. Um, How about if we, um, uh, if there's anybody else who wants to talk to Krista or us about this particular topic, 866-472-5792. And we'll be back in just a couple minutes. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health & Wellness. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. 
To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. We've been discussing how to talk to our kids about cancer with social worker, uh, social worker Krista Nelson. Sorry about that, Krista. Um, and Beth has remained on the line with us, and we had an interesting conversation during the break that we wanted to bring up. Um, my daughter is 32 now, and so she, because I was diagnosed at 40, it is uh, suggested that you get a mammogram about 10 years before um, your mom was diagnosed. And so we had that conversation recently. And so she's really nervous about that. And in fact, um, I'm probably going to go to New York and uh, go get her mammogram with her in October. So, um, and Beth, you said you had a scare? Yeah, last um, last holiday season, um, you know, it was, really tough because it was kind of lingering over the break between Christmas and and New Year's and I had found a lump and um and panicked of course <laughs> you know yeah. um, and kind of had to draw back on a lot of those um I mean on one hand I had an expert to go to <laughs> in my mom. Did. um uh-huh. And, um, and played the waiting game and, you know, it turned out to be nothing. Um, thank goodness that I need to keep an eye on and they tend to come and go. And, um, you know, now they're less scary, but I always get them checked out and, um, good girl. Yeah. Um, but you're still 3000 miles away from your mom, you know? And so it is hard to, all of a sudden, now you're faced with some of those same fears that your mom's probably gone through, you know? Yeah, and the same challenge of I'm I'm in a waiting game and I'm scared and I'm probably not being exactly myself at home. I've got two boys. Um, do I tell them what's going on? Do I bring them along in the process? Or do I wait, you know, and um, I don't want to worry anyone unnecessarily, obviously. Right. Um, but I also want to kind of destigmatize it, I think. I really want my boys to um, be just savvy, I guess, to the things, ups and downs of life and um, hopefully be able to roll with the punches better than I could as a kid um, when things sure. come up like that. So I don't know. That's actually, I'll ask for some advice. What do I do? Yeah. So, Krista, what do you think? You know, I think um, it's, you know, unless you are dealing with a diagnosis, there's something to be said about young children, I would say less than five, sort of not sharing with them worries until there's something that you know they'll worry about. Um, But if they were aware of it or asked you something, you would want to encourage discussion around it and say, gosh, you know, I'm just feeling kind of nervous. Do you ever get nervous? What do you do that helps you when you feel nervous? 
you know, and kind of turn it into a teaching, let's go kick a ball or let's go um, play hopscotch or whatever it is um, to kind of help to cope with it. But um, Mm -hmm. in general, I think kids, if you have a diagnosis of cancer, having them participate in your care as much as they want is absolutely incredible. So what you don't want to do is force kids to participate. So kids will be worse off if you make them do something they don't want to do. Like you think it's a really good mm-hmm. idea that you, they see where you get chemotherapy and you drag them to the office and they don't want to go. That would be may, scary. <laughs> right. A lot of you know, kids benefit now with phones. You, know, you can take a picture of it and say this is what it looks like where I get mm-hmm. chemotherapy. Because sometimes kids have curiosity. And again, that's usually the you know, eight or older, six, six, eight, depends on the kid. But in general, you know, children are most fragile kind of right at diagnosis time when they hear about it. And then if the situation changes, so mm-hmm. if someone's cancer came back or, mm-hmm. you know, someone had um, cancer come back that made them have limitations in their ability to get around or to drive them to soccer practice or, or those sort of things. Right. Right. You know what, Kristen, when I went through it the second time, it was eight years after my first time, and my youngest son, Micah, who was um, 11 the first time, was now 19 on the second one. And the first time I took six months off from work, and then when I got diagnosed the second time, I said to him, I said, well, the good news is if I have breast cancer, I can take another some more time off work. And he said, Mom, that's a little telling, don't you think? And I said, what do you mean? And he says, you'd rather have cancer than go to work? <laughs> the sad thing is it was kind of true because, you know, it did come back, but it kind of came back the same way. And I'd been there once, done it, and the fear of the unknown was gone. But, um, but yeah, you know, all kids kind of handle it differently. And it just, you know, he was, that was a real, very clever thing he said. And it's, again, speech fodder. I love it. Um, but you know they all they all handle it in different ways, and and he gave me a heavy dose of reality on that one. But yeah, when it recurs, you you just never know. In fact, you don't know how you're going to respond when it if it recurs, you know, for yourself. But so mm-hmm. if I heard you correctly, Krista, what I'm hearing is if you have if you're a parent and you find a lump and you have a concern about it, you don't really need to say anything to the kids until you've had it checked out know what you're dealing with because in Beth's case it was a cyst and it turned out to be nothing so don't put the kids through the worry but if you have your own concerns about it do something physical to just kind of burn off that that worry is that is that what I heard you say yeah or I think you know as we I mean if you think it in a cognitive behavioral standpoint right you you think about worry or you think about okay the results of that test are coming on I'm not going to get those till Tuesday So in my head, I know that I have this opportunity between today and Tuesday, and I have different ways that I can approach that time. You know, I can worry myself sick, not eat, cry, lay in bed, or I can try to stay more in the moment and try to just enjoy, do things that distract me, you know, whatever. The only difference in what happens between today and Tuesday is your quality of life. Like our fear and our worry are the things that get in the way of our quality of life. It doesn't actually, they're, they're sort of wasted emotions as far as being productive, right? They're not going to help. It doesn't change what the outcome is. And I recognize that that's easy to say and harder to do, but I think in those <laughs> Especially moments, for us Greek Italian people, you know, we worry about everything. <laughs> but know. I think in those moments, you have to think about, okay, is this truth? You know, yeah. or is this, 
could the opposite be true? And, you know, just trying to get yourself through the time. Many women tell me the time of diagnosis and the unknown is way worse than actually having a diagnosis and then having a plan for treatment. Right. Once once they get a plan. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think so, too. Yeah, Yeah. and when you you have a plan for treatment, that's another thing you want to pass along to the kids because Mm -hmm. you want to explain to them, when my hair falls out, that doesn't mean that the cancer is getting worse. So they may see if your hair starts to fall out, oh, my gosh. So you want to let them know, I'm going to get this medicine called chemotherapy. It's going to make my hair fall out. And that, you know, you can talk to them about fast-growing cells, and that is why um, and chemotherapy attacks fast-growing cells, and that's why my hair falls out. Or, you know, depending on the age, you can modify what you share with them. Sure, mm-hmm. sure. In fact, that's a sign that the chemo's working is way I, you know, kind of try to yeah. <laughs> spin it. Exactly, you know? exactly. Yeah, so it's, you know, it's, it's that, Beth, does that answer your, your question, honey, on how you do that if it happens Yeah, again? that makes, that makes perfect sense. And good, I, I think I agree with that. It's also an age appropriateness kind of thing, like maybe an older mm-hmm. teen at the time, imagine you've you and I had a close relationship and you were worried about that. Um, and I knew something was clearly wrong with you, you know, maybe bringing me along for that ride would have been appropriate, but mm-hmm. for my, you know, at the time five year old and, you know, 11 or 12 year old son wouldn't have been appropriate to bring him yeah, along for that exactly. ride. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's amazing the stuff we worry about. I remember when I was, when my kids were all, those three were still young and at home, I worried that I was going to die and I wondered who who was going to cook for them. So I was teaching them that peanut butter and jelly for dinner is perfectly acceptable. You know, <laughs> if all else fails, you know, you can always make yourself a sandwich. And I found myself worrying about if my husband would remarry and, and who she would be and what she would look like. And I'll tell you, by the end of the day, I had it all figured out who not only that he would remarry, but who she would be and what size she would be. And when he came home from work, he was in so much trouble. He had no idea what hit him. And, you know, the fact is we've been married 36 years now. None of that came to be. But I worried myself sick over that because I pictured my kids calling her mommy. And it's like, no. Yeah, <laughs> and none that, of that, that happens. So. That's a good example of how worry does not help us. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, yeah. I just want to make sure that, that, our, that our audience knew, too, that we have a couple of brochures that are very, very helpful. Um, We have a Tools for Teen um, that is a a brochure. And on one side, it basically says how they can help mom. For instance, um, silly things like like what Beth did for you. Um, You know, things that that the kids can do for their mom while she's going through a cancer diagnosis. And the other side are ways that that teen can then help themselves. Because, again, when you're a teenager especially, it's all about you. So you want to make sure that you're taking good care of yourself, and um, that's a really important piece of that. And then there's also another brochure that we call When Mom Has Cancer, Help Helping Children Cope, um, and that's available to families with, with younger children that are um, help helpful tips on when to tell them, how to tell them, very similar information um, to what Krista has given us today. So Absolutely. Chris, do you have any um, parting thoughts, any comments that you want to make sure? We only have two minutes till we, we end our show. We want to make sure you have oh, an one opportunity. Minute. 
One, one minute, minute now. <laughs> absolutely. I think we absolutely, to all the moms and parents out there, just trust your instinct. You're doing the best that you can. You're not going to harm your children by giving them information. And I think seek out, use books, use these brochures, seek out support from an oncology social worker in your community. If you don't have one, there's a great online support available through Cancer Support Community. You know, use real words. Remind them they can't catch or cause cancer. Um, be prepared for hard questions, but know you don't have to answer them right away. And just know that, you know, your child's distress is around the sort of symbolic threat to their sense of security. So mm-hmm. reminding them that they're safe, that there's a plan in place if something happens, and mm-hmm. that you'll get through this together as a family. That's Absolutely. great. And all of that information, all the answers to those questions that you just brought up, Krista, are all in our brochure. If you want a copy of our brochure, you can uh, reach out to us through breastfriends.org. Um, you can send us an email to mail at breastfriends.org. These brochures are free. We'll give you a free copy of that and the tools for teens. So they're both really great resources and, uh, again, available at no charge. So um, if you if you have friends that you know need to hear this show, this program will be airing again later tonight 10 p.m pacific um, as a recording and it will also be available on our archives so you can um, retrieve it at any point in time and feel free please share this this message with other people if you know anyone who's going through cancer that has children this is just such great advice krista you've been a doll having you on the show thank you so much beth thank you for taking the time to call in um, I think your story was phenomenal, and Christy, your advice is, is sound and solid, and we really appreciate it. So we do have to go, but um, we will be back next week. And until then, remember, there is always hope, and we're here to help you find it. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Please join Sharon Hannafin and Becky Olson again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. There is always hope and we'll help you find it. We'll talk again next time.